This is a homebrew podcast. Welcome back to the homebrew. I'm your DM to the very end, Grant Milky. I'm here with Austin Brady. Zaldwin, lost among the lost. Cody Smith. Carl Gauss, intergalactic radio host. John Cayley. Nivitz Pozu, eccentric scientist. And Tyrell Nye. Heavy Arms Oliver, galactic heavyweight champion. Crew, you stand back on the hawk, uh, overseeing the wreckage of the Lathander. The fight is complete. Victory by all measures. You were able to take the entirety of the enemy's ship and uh, the Grung army was successful. Unless anyone wants to do anything right at this moment, I'm going to kind of fast forward through the next couple days. Unless anyone has any, anything they want to do like right now in the heat, uh, not the heat, what do you call it? In like the uh, calm after the storm. The afterglow. Yeah. I think Carl has some long-term scrapping plans for the Lathander too, but. Yeah, I think the Grung would be very disappointed that uh, you're claiming what they consider to be their prize, but they would 100% bow to your superiority. I don't have to uh, take all of it. Nivitz is definitely going to be assisting on dragging along the sun. <laughs> yeah. So I did want to say that as this as this thing gets like broken down, um, gone through, things of that nature, you do find just like troves of data. And there's a few things I wanted to cover. One of the most notable things you find is the exact formula for RGC, the rapid growth cloning. And you're able to find that this was formulated through extensive research on Nifkin, who's Grundle's brother. Mm. You're able to find the location of Grundle's home planet, where the pink milk, they're calling it, where that was discovered. Gross. Apparently, Grundle, Nifkin, their DNA is chemically perfect. This goo extracted from like Grundle's people is like hyper evolutionary. The going hypothesis of Zoro's is like Nifkin's people are literally the ideal carbon-based life form. Like it is the the height <laughs> of evolution. You may not like it, but this is what peak perfection looks like. <laughs> the the base the the ba- the base life that all life is built from. That's why they were able to manipulate the pink milk into the the different clones. You also find completed research on Nivet's synthetic sun, as well as completely irrefutable proof in many different forms that this information was stolen from Nivets and that Nivets uh, Zoros worked with Metacore, Jean-Paul, Neuronethemir, Vanwell Moonshade, and others worked collaboratively to uh, try and erase Nivets's identity and steal this research. Uh, you're able to find everything you need to make a completely airtight case that this is Nivitz's research and oh damn you're able to Nivitz see how they used your clones to complete the design it's still your work right it's still from your mind um that the design is just complete and you have everything you need to replicate that essentially as well as the the proof that i mentioned third major thing that you find is that Zoros was obsessed with time travel. There's like thousands of researchers and arcanists under his employ 
that he had working to come up with like magical ways to go back in time. He was obsessed with the Oasis's time skip. He was obsessed with the wobbliness in the interdimensional travel to exile. He was obsessed with his own blessing, his ability to go back in time very briefly. Uh, his conclusion was that the barrier to traveling in time magically was like arbitrary. There's some sort of like rule, which he believed to be the Burning Man. He he believed that his inability to go back further in time was not like a law of nature, but rather some sort of like arbitrary magical block. A rule imposed by Father Time. Right. Well, I don't know. Father Time might be the wrong terminology. <laughs> Zoros believed that even if there were indeed many prime existences, he should be able to travel within those prime existences, like between ages. Uh, in the current prime existence he is in, he should be able to travel around more. His plan was to wait for his, his quote unquote, for his son's design to be complete. He was going to use his demon book, Sardragoth, to force time to change the rules. His demon book. <laughs> I'm just reading his notes. Sorry. Um, he was going to use his demon book to force time to change the rules. And then he was going to go back in time oh. with the synthetic son and use his blessing to shut the door. Days before his son's design was complete, his book disappeared, as we know. Oh, damn it. Not to say that that plan would. That's just what he believed. That that was his, that was his going plan. I mean... It seemed highly plausible with what that book was capable of and what we've learned about the nature of being a god. Yeah, it's um, it's essentially you can kind of see throughout his time doing this research, learning these things, uh, traveling the path himself. His behavior became more and more erratic as he continued to believe that it didn't matter that the end of this for him was going back and changing everything anyways. So... You know, who cares what he does now? Oh, my God. But as you can see, that's not quite how everything worked out. Do you have any questions on any of that data before we move on? No, I don't think so. No, but everybody would definitely see Nivet skipping in the hallways. Man, why didn't he just approach Nivets and hire him? Yeah, Nivets would have probably worked for him. I will ask him when I see him next. Because <laughs> <laughs> Nivets has no fucking morals. But, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, those are some pretty shocking revelations. I can't believe that his grandmaster plan was time travel, but I suppose that's one of the elements of the path that we have the least experience with since we didn't get that blessing. Um, damn, what a little psycho. Right? <laughs> what a little psycho. Silverface did not make it. Um, Evendall at some point... Max, so Maxwell's cloud is here, so you're still kind of able to freely travel between all these different ships and talk to everyone. Evendal would approach you at some point and just, you know, kind of look around and realize that I'm the last one. I'm the last person, uh, unless you count Father Sito, who isn't exactly himself. Yeah. And would just kind of thank you all for trusting him. Well, hey, your check will be in the mail. Uh... <laughs> hey, it was really a pleasure working with you. Yeah, he does kind of linger. Linger like a, a bellhop. I had a feeling you were the man for the job. Here's my contact information. I mean, are you, you're still going to be operating in this sector, right? I mean, you know, are you still a gun for hire? <laughs> I guess it depends how much you're paying me. I think <laughs> I'm going to take a 
nice long break, though. I will say I quite enjoy the company of your frog friends. Yeah, interesting folk. I've been in talks with them for the scrapping rights of this ship, and they seem pretty uh, married to it. <laughs> oh, they'll do whatever you say. They'll, they'll do anything you say. That's the only thing that's annoying. No, no. We've come to a really great agreement, I think. I'm just going to take out all of Zoros' systems and study them, and I'm going to replicate them. And I mean, I can replicate them in 24 hours once I understand how they work. So I'm just going to study and replace, study and replace. Very simple. Yeah. If I wanted my own Lathander 2, I could have one. <laughs> the Lathander 3. Lathander 3. Lathander, yeah. Charles Barkley the third. I am probably going to head back to Prosperity Bay, pick up my buddy. You said he's still there. I know it's stupid, uh, but... Yeah. Yeah, that's what I knew. Really kind of enjoyed the little guy. I hope it hasn't butchered any boys lately. I can fix him. I'm sure. Well, yeah, I don't really know what to say. I'm sorry for my part in this. I... It's like, uh... He, he turns to the frog sitting next to him. No offense. But it's like boiling a frog. Uh, by the time the water was too hot, it was hard to get out. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're just really glad that you finally came around and that we were able to help you. He nods. He's like, you really did. I I think that was all I needed was to know that there was a chance. He gets you. He, he gets you. He knows how to talk. He knows how to justify the things that he does. We uh, learned from an old friend that... There's always a way out. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll see you all around, I guess, maybe. Um, I thought about asking to come with you if you're going to the end. So I never really got to. But I don't know. I think I'm better off not knowing. I mean, I look at the crew. Hey, you're welcome to tag along, man. I he <laughs> seems tempted again at the offer. Um, you see his just his eyes kind of darting back and forth a little bit. You can see he's replaying months of being on the path. Uh, and then he just shakes his head. He's like, no, I think maybe it's just, maybe it's just better this way. Understandable. I mean, I die of curiosity, but it's very understandable. Very understandable. The path has been very rough and tumble sometimes, and they straight up said they were trying to kill us plenty of times. So, who knows what's at the end? I don't I, I, after that last waypoint, I'm a little bit nervous. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, there was a giant tentacle skull trying to get through the door, and we closed it in the waypoint, but, uh, you know, it's open, right? So. Speaking of, I've, I, I think we should have a conversation with Siobhan. Well, I will leave you guys to it. He kind of slaps the table, uh, <laughs> gets up, it's like. Uh, yeah, it was nice knowing you, or I'll see you around, or whatever works. Yeah, I'll email you. And he gives a little salute and saunters off. Grundle waves. Arr! Doodles. Take it easy. Take one of these gift baskets on your way out. <laughs> What's in the gift basket? Some of Zoros' stuff. Oh, nice. <laughs> loot? Some loot, uh -huh. yeah. He had a big vault full of gold coins. Oh, yeah. He said, it, it said, do not dive into it. Or like on the side, <laughs> but you know, you gotta dive into it once. Right, like why would you write that if that wasn't a thing that you do? There's some gold-pressed latinum. <laughs> some platinum. I think be before you all 
um, kind of head out, I think Gerdo would want to speak with you. He would send some of his uh, frogs, frog dragons, to find you. Jesus. And request an audience for Gerdo. And would any of you oblige? Yeah, of Absolutely. course. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Of course. Um, yeah, you find he's in um, this kind of like Maxwell specialized pod ship that they've been that they've built for him. So it's like got all these really clear ponds and all these different water features and stuff. And he is sitting at the head of one of them um, while people around him are kind of chatting and flexing. And a couple of them are in their dragon form, just kind of showing off. And Gerdo sure. sees your approach and he bows his head very respectfully. Uh, Zaldwin bows back. Yeah, Carl will bow. Grundle won't. <laughs> Grundle will wave. <laughs> Waves. This was a great victory for our people. The first of many. I cannot even begin to thank you for the power you've bestowed upon my people. Our victory was already assured, but now many less will die in the age that is to come when we conquer all worlds. Zaldwin looks nervously at the rest of the group. <laughs> bows his head again. We will always remember your sacrifice. We will burn many candles for Grey, your companion, for Billy Boom, for Mordecai. We will ensure their memory is never forgotten. That's, uh, really nice of you. It's a beautiful sentiment. <laughs> you guys, you guys positive about that global dark galactic domination thing? He looks at you. Positive. What do you, what do you mean? I don't know, just... May I? Go for it. Today, we needed a hammer. We needed a strike. We needed to be true. We needed to be hard on them. We needed strength. But when my people, when the people of the Oasis needed a place to be, we didn't have to conquer anything. Compassion, a hand, reaching out, soup in a bowl. That's how, how we change the hearts and minds of people. Erdo, and I just hope that you can remember that. It, conquering is a mighty harsh word, but some people just need compassion. You've been a mighty fine hammer. You've been strong, sturdy. Just remember kindness as you have shown us. He strokes his chin contemplatively and nods his head. Uh, give me a persuasion check. Okay, here we go. That's a dirty 20. He nods his head and strokes his chin, uh, drinking in your words. And he says, You speak wisdom. If we are to rule the galaxies, we cannot become the evil that we're taking it from. I thank you for your guidance. Zaldwin bows again, hoping that this is enough. Well said, Zaldwin. I was going to go on a big speech about mo money, mo problems. <laughs> <laughs> Gerda would look to you, Oliver, uh, before you leave and say, A piece of death sits on the throne in exile on heresy, awaiting the souls we send him. Is that not true? No matter how many, how much kindness we show, there will inevitably be souls we send. Do we have your blessing? <sighs> it is inevitable. We'll never be able to do anything without sending someone to me. He nods. Just make it a good death. Make every death worthwhile, if you can help it. He nods. I thank you for your time, for your wisdom, and if you have need of us ever again, 
You need only call. We will come to your aid. Well, all's peaceful in the universe right now, right? But you never know what's around the corner. It's good to know, um, uh, it's good to know you got our backs. He nods. And, uh, we will skip back to, um, you all on the hawk. Alright, we'll see you later, Gerdo. It's great to see you again. Wait, we went and talked to Gerdo? I was too, in, you know, into my research. <laughs> yeah, you missed it. It was great. Is it weird reading your own research <laughs> that you haven't done yet? <laughs> it's actually, it's just really fascinating stuff. I, I see how my mind got there. I just haven't gotten there yet. It is really weird to read a book that was written by a team of you working independently without knowing that the rest of the team was also them. <laughs> yeah. It's got to be kind of a <laughs> introspective moment for you, Nivitz. Like looking in a mirror. I think at times Nivitz has had some very functioning clones and is slightly used to it. But it is still just like that new experience. Like, man, these guys are brilliant. I'm brilliant. <laughs> <sighs> man, I've just uh, been pretty astounded by this. Uh, I don't know what you want to call it. Quantum leap technology that the ship has where it can be everywhere and nowhere. It's, it's fucked up, man. I don't even know how you'd... I don't even know how you'd even make such a thing. I mean, now that I know how it works, I can make it, but uh, how do you even... You have to be some sort of... Like, Maxwell must be a mathematician on a whole other level. Well, he also, you know, has uh, a bunch of Maxwells, so... Mm-hmm. So what you're telling me is that I need to create a whole bunch of Carls. <laughs> yep. That adds up. Is that where I've been going wrong this whole time? I've been making... St- I should just be focusing on copying my own brain? That seems so egotistical. Hey, what works, works. <laughs> okay, Zoros. <laughs> hmm. I don't know about that one. Maybe. <laughs> so, um, you know, as you are back on the Hawk, um, kind of have two people who don't, aren't going to be going with you to the Convergence, Tyler and Sal. Why not? <laughs> Uh, and Sal seems kind of okay with staying with Tyler. They've spent a lot of time on the ship together, and Tyler is interested in going back to the Vatican, back to where his uh, family lives. He has learned a lot. He's become a very powerful, you know, mage working with you and studying under Nivets, and he's ready to go back home and find what's next for him, what his next adventure is going to be. Ah, oh, man, does that mean I'm going to have to start doing the accounting again? Uh, I believe that was my job, unfortunately. Thank God. I have everything set up. Uh, spreadsheets. I can show you how to use them. <laughs> They're all pretty easy. Um, Hermes completely proficient with Excel. I've learned, so you should be should be totally fine. Just watch these columns here. and Listen, Ty- Tyler, you saved us. I did. We couldn't have done this without you we we would be stuck we'd be trapped he's absolutely glowing you're uh, you're an absolute hero tyler and i hope your family's well i think i think after this after everything finding a warm bed is a, a real reward even if it's not enough he nods i think you'll find the cruise severance package to be pretty uh pretty nice and now that i can make infinite money don't worry you'll be You'll be a comedy. Tyler's like, don't make too much money. Uh, don't, like, crash the economy or anything. 
Listen, we'll take care of you is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. I appreciate that. I'm still young, you know? Like, I, I feel like I'm just getting started, and I learned so much from you guys. Yeah, I just, just gonna take, just gonna take a beat, you know? I've been, uh, texting with Belfort a lot, and we're gonna meet up on the Vatican too, which I'm pretty excited about, pretty nervous about, but... Well, he's a nice dude, um... Good luck on all your ventures. If you need any assistance with any tech, you know who to call. He nods. You're the best intern we've ever had, buddy, so it's not going to be the same without you, but I guess we'll have to get by. He just hugs you when you say that. Yeah, I'll hug him back. And he pulls out his other arm and just kind of like beckons everyone to kind of like get in. Sal jumps in this little huddle. Oh, get in here. Everybody get in here. <laughs> yeah, Zaldwin climbs on in. I think Zaldwin pushes Oliver in <laughs> to, like, hug everyone. <laughs> yeah. Nevitz, get in here. I am in here, Grendel. Well, who's that guy over there if you're in here, Nevitz? Uh, did I push the button by mistake? Get in here, Nevitz clone. <laughs> get in here. Get in here, Nivitz. You too, Nivitz. You too, Nivitz. Blankly staring clone just hobbles over. And everyone has a big hug. Hermes, take a picture. Thanks. It spits out a Polaroid. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. Here you go. You can have this, Tyler. He sniffs, and you can see he's kind of holding back tears. He's like, yeah, uh, okay. Um, well, wait, wait, we gotta sign the back. We gotta sign the back. Here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nivitz is going to pull out a copy of his book, his spell book that he's been writing for Tyler. Well, if, you, if you're you're actually leaving, you're going to need to keep learning. And th- these are all the spells I prepared for you. And oh my I God. wish you luck, my friend. Yeah, thanks. Oh, hey, I, I don't I don't mean this disrespectfully at all, but um, I've been feeding Charles Barkley. Fuck. <laughs> and I'm going to be gone. I just... <laughs> Will you make sure and feed him? I left him, like, at least a week's worth of food, but... (laughs) I can set, like, a reminder on your tablet. He has his own replicator in there! He doesn't know how to use it. He's got an int score of, like, two. I have been feeding him the whole time. He has not just magically been replicating food. (laughs) He has been! That's how he's put on that extra weight. (laughs) He's eating like four meals a day now. He looks at you, Carl. He's like, "Will you please feed that thing?" Tyler, don't don't worry, don't don't worry. We'll we'll make we'll make sure it's okay. Okay, all right. Well, don't be strangers. Good luck, and you know how to reach me. And he um, holds Nivitz's spellbook very close to his chest. Obviously, uh, immediately one of his most treasured possessions. And he begins to weave some magic. And Sal waves at you all. And just at the last moment before the teleport goes off, he throws a small little bag at you, uh, Grundle. And inside is just hundreds of little good berries. Nice. Grundle will eat one. They're delicious. They're great berries. You can tell he's been curating (laughs) the best of his good berries and saving them. Sal, you were the best crewmate we've ever had. He gives you smiles, gives you a thumbs up. You can tell he has no idea what you said, but it sounded positive. (laughs) (laughs) And the arcane magic swirls around them, and then they're gone. 
and it is just the crew on the Hawk. Well, I think I've got just about everything I need here from the Lathander and replaced all of Zoro's systems and installed my own. That way there's no kind of crazy, yeah, I don't know, dead man switch or something that if he doesn't enter a log in 24 hours, the ship explodes or some shit. <laughs> that does sound like Zoro's. Yeah, I didn't find anything like that, so... You know, I don't know if it's there. He hit it even better than I than I could find. But, you know, he was a hell of a hacker himself. Uh, just something, I don't know, Billy suggested once, and I thought it was crazy, you know, but, you know, you never know. Uh, I think I'm ready to, to go to the end. The door awaits. I've got the coordinates locked in. Anything we need to take care of first? <sighs> Not that I know of. I think we should have a crew meeting with uh, our friend here. And Zaldwin is going to gesture to Siobhan. She looks a little confused, looks around. Me? Yeah. Her? Did I do something wrong? Yeah, what about her? What we saw in the locket, I think I know how to fix it. What'd you see? Zaldwin will, you know, run through everything, run through Nuke Baby, run through the way that time absorbed the the nuke baby why time is on fire why time is the burning man and explain that you absorbed something something from beyond the door some some part and that's why that's why the universe is how do i describe it we've done this so many times before and seemingly this is the first time i've ever done it we need to somehow get this part out of you. Now, the only way that I've seen it done, that any of us have seen it done, by placing a hand on you and somehow it's, it's channeled out of you. She looks down at her hands. And there's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> I mean that from the bottom of my heart, there is nothing wrong with you, okay? It's this thing, it's this infection. And we gotta make it work. We gotta stay together. Um, she's processing. Um, a tear kind of like rolls down her cheek. She's staring at her hands. I, I think, I, I think I remember. I, I think I remember. It's there, but it's not. It's, it's like a dream. If you ever had a dream, you can't, you can't quite remember all the way. Yep, that sounds about right. Right. I need to go to him though. I wonder if he'll skip the I told you so's. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be lost on us, I suppose. I mean, we vaguely understand the ramifications of what we did now, but I don't think it would be fair. We <laughs> Seems like a forgiving guy. <laughs> <laughs> she shakes her head. Like, I, I, how do you know he was right, though? Oh, we don't. What if you were right? What if I... We might be. What if I can't? What if I can't be? What if I can't be? What if you're right? It doesn't matter. All that matters is that we're together. So what, we're just gonna try again? Carl nods. Isn't that what we always do? What about this world? What about all the people here? They'll live how they want to live. They'll die how they want to die. We'll see how it goes. She just kind of sits in silence um, for... A while that she looks at you, Zaldwin, and she says, I, if I did give it up, 
Who would I give it to? What, what would that help? My theory, and please, smarter people in the room, please uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but my theory is that if we each take a little bit, we can keep it down. We can push it down. We can control it. I mean, we're so, we're so much stronger than we were before. Am I wrong? And Zaldwin's going to look over at Nivitz and Carl. And I think even to Goy as well. Whew. That's a pretty radical proposition. And not in the radical, <laughs> like, the way I say it. <laughs> <laughs> radical proposition, dude. <coughs> I have no... I have no evidence it would work. But what if it drove us all fucking nuts? Zeldon kind of looks down in shame because uh, they they hadn't realized that he hadn't thought that through what if this just takes them all over I don't know about you guys but being a little nuts isn't that bad just 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 saying am I not the only one oh Nivitz man Whew. I'm sorry uh, I'm sorry for whatever I did before I can tell it was bad I, I don't remember it all the way it wasn't your fault but should we be talking about this without him? I mean, he's one of the team, right? Yeah. If if I mean if if we're gonna do what Zaldwin proposes, he'd have to agree to it too. Because there's no sense in us doing it if he's not gonna do it. He's got to be here. Yeah. We stick together. Yeah. I think he'll be happy to see us. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Carl's half sarcastic, obviously. <laughs> I know, I know Gray did, but do any of you have a way of calling out to him? Man. I think we know exactly where he is and where to go. Yeah, I think we just gotta go talk to him. Yeah, I mean, we know where to go. Captain Dern? Hi! <laughs> Take us to the coordinates to the end. I forgot I was here. I was listening the whole time. I like the plan. <laughs> It's all right. Can I have some of those powers too? Well, I don't think it works like that. Maybe. Hey, we did have an agreement, by the way, that if I worked for you for long enough, you'd let me go be free. When does oh. that come into effect? Man, that's a really good question. Uh, Soon, man. Me Soon, you know. <laughs> don't worry about it. We kind of still need a ship for the time being. Um, well, just wanted to remind you that the call to Rome is within me. And I feel it. I feel it in my guts. It's time to yeah. sail. All right. I can respect that. Um, yeah, I guess just take us to the end and I'll replicate us a new ship when we get there. Dude, he's a mass murderer. You know that, right? Yeah. Doesn't he just want treasure? No. I, I'll plunder all the treasure in the galaxy. I'll rip it from the dead bodies. <laughs> stuff it in my pockets. Drink their blood from the golden goblets. I mean, he's no worse than Billy Boom, right? Oh, I miss the lad. I miss the lad. I mean, there's a lot of rooks that say that exact same thing. And we had Enders. I I don't know what simulation you were all in, but the murder of whole towns and cities and planets was not off the table for this guy. I, I remember. It takes me back. That was a video game. 
It wasn't, though, and we've established that a bunch. <laughs> I was just going to say, I mean, we have Grendel. He, he's kind of notorious himself. Just, just say it. Notoriously cool. <laughs> you do have a nice hat. Thanks. I dusted it off not too long ago for the, for the final combat. Well, you have yourselves a deal. One last trip together, and then you give me my freedom. Right. Yep. I guess Carl is kind of looking anxious now. He wasn't in the simulation, but he's starting to think about some of those memories, and he's like, oh, hmm. I mean, a deal was a deal. Well, did we have to give him big fuck-off arms first? <laughs> he flexes. I forgot he had arms. Flexing <laughs> a little face. less conspicuous of a body. <laughs> he does the, yeah, he does, like, the Johnny Bravo flex before taking off faster than light to the Convergence. Maybe on the trip we can make him a Will Baxter body. Shaban's like, why don't you just make him another simulation? He doesn't seem to mind. That's pretty smart. Put him in one of Grundle's video games. Oh, he could, he could be a big bad. He could be a boss. Yeah, I mean, I could just make him his own simula- his own video game, yeah. That seems, like, kind of shitty, but... Well, just don't make the life inside of it, like, sentient or sapient. <laughs> you know what Fuck. I mean? <laughs> You seem like. On it. <laughs> well, it seems like a lot of your creations wake up, so maybe. All like, right, we don't have to go there. All right, that's not my fault. <laughs> he could uh, conquer the universe one console at a time. All right. Um. So you guys are traveling towards the convergence now. Yes. 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 So I, it's a few days travel. I guess I'll work on Dern's. I, I guess I'm just calling me the warden, all right? Because I'm fucking prison, prison and everybody in simulations now. Well, the difference is I consent to this. This sounds pretty fucking awesome. Well, it's going to be the best damn simulation you ever fucking... Make it bloody as hell. I want gore. I want violence. I'm going to make it fucking just oceans and little warring islands and fucking oh, crazy yeah. people. People going crazy. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. It's just going to be like, a, there's abominations and bear octopuses and whatever you can fucking Is want. there going to be a moose? There's going to be a fucking moose that shoots lightning. Oh, I love it. So, as you are traveling, uh, you realize that you are approaching. Um, all the lights and such go off in the console. Um, you are essentially nearing what is the center, very, very center of the universe. It's strangely dark here. Um, it is a little eerie. Uh, everyone kind of gathers in the cockpit. And as you approach this kind of like singular point, um, from which the universe expanded from, uh, just time and space begins to shift a little bit, even with all of the, you know, gravity inside of the ship, you all begin to float a little bit. And there is a bright white light around you, uh, that becomes brighter and brighter and brighter until everything around you is gone. You feel your soul, your body, whatever it is, for a moment looking down from some high place above all of this, looking through like a viewing screen, and you see ages playing out, swirling around each other, converging on this single point. You see these massive beating wings of a white dragon fly by. You know this to be Memorius, the first farmer, flying over a pillar of purple soul energy shooting into the sky. You zoom out through some sort of tunnel, look over a planet, 
you know it looks like Terra at first, but then you start to see differences in color and shape becoming apparent just as it becomes pulled away from you, hurtling at unknown, unfathomable speeds until you see nothing but a thick, pale fog that seems to stretch on for eternity. Eventually, you see another world in the distance, a spinning disc in the break amongst the fog, and beneath the disc is sprouting spectral roots that stretch down as far as your eyes can see. You go down towards the roots, down further and further, and things get darker and darker until you are floating in true darkness. There's nothing in any direction as far as you can see until there's a crack. Another white light spills out around you in every direction. Before you know it, there is another flash of blinding light, and you can't help but avert your eyes for just a moment. But as they adjust, you blink, and you find yourself standing in a huge, grassy knoll, gentle waves of breeze rolling through the soft grass like coastal waves, blue sky above you, soft grass in every direction. There's a gentle breeze. A ways away is a stone entrance, perfectly cut and round, with stairs descending downwards. You know this to be lost architecture. As your eyes continue to adjust, you see figures in the distance. You see Neuronethamir and several others at the entrance to the ruin, and they begin to descend. They stop for a brief moment. One of them, you know to be Adia, an elven woman, stops. Neuronethamir turns to her. They speak very briefly, but then Adia's gone. And you see Neuronethamir is actually mostly alone, save one giant of a man at his side. Neuronethamir holds a sword twisted with vines, a massive spectral shield. On his neck are two lockets, one in your possession and one you know to be Serp. After a moment, he descends the stairs into the ruin. You hear a voice to your side. Hey, it looks like you made it. You turn, you see Franklin pouring drinks over a counter under a tent. He is smiling warmly, and there are several bright, pixie-like lights buzzing around him, lost, as you would call them. On this little counter under this tent he has, under this grassy knoll, he has poured each of you a drink, and he happily uh, pushes them towards you. That was quite the trip, wasn't it? Zeldwin reaches down and happily takes a sip of the drink. Oliver knocks it back, slams it on the table for another one. <laughs> He's already ready to pour, and he has a drink himself, which he kind of like uh, holds up in the air like a gentle toast, and then takes a sip himself. It's uh, good seeing you again. Yeah, cheers, buddy. Absolutely. Uh, what do they say? Humble beginnings? Great things? Something like that? Something like that. Yeah, something like that. You guys had quite the trip that was was interesting it's been an absurd adventure and he was just grabs this giant big like fruity big ass drink that's like half the size of him <laughs> and just starts sipping through the bendy strolls he nods well uh i guess you probably have some questions about the lost uh it's kind of all out on the table now um i can't tell you everything, but can at least tell you about, uh, us. He looks at you, Zaldwin. Some souls don't quite fit like the rest. We take forms, and we live lives. Sometimes we even forget what we are, 
Zaldwin, you're like me. You're a lost. Your essence doesn't quite fit the same way. And we don't really die. We just move around. It's kind of a blessing and a curse. The memories, they always come back. Even if they leave for thousands of years, they always come back. For instance, I had a sister this time. I really loved her and I lost her. She wasn't like us. She's gone now, but that's kind of what makes it beautiful. You know, if everyone lived forever, we probably wouldn't cherish the times we do have. That's what happens to a lot of the lost. They forget that it means anything. Zaldwin reaches to his back and unholsters the pulse rifle and sets it down on the bar, sliding it over. He smiles and runs his uh, fingers over it. I remember. Sometimes I wonder if I remember too much. I could just really lose myself. I really thought that when I started this, I knew who I was. I was confident. Ever since that first day, I didn't know who I was turning into. And Zaldwin's going to look over at Oliver with tears in his eyes and wipes them quickly and sniffs and is going to look back. I think that's what happened to him. Franklin points and you look towards the ruin and you see Zoros. He is alone. He approaches the entrance, heaves a deep breath and then descends. And Franklin said, he's like us. He's you and his memories, they're there. And he believes just like you that sometimes you have to make decisions that harm thousands to save trillions. Sometimes you have to hurt people you love. And he struggled in that space between love and doing what's right. And I think he lost himself. You watch everyone die enough times. You don't even get to die yourself. And Franklin takes a deep breath and then forces a smile back. I'm sorry. I just, it's built into us. Life has to go on no matter what. Did, did I, did I lose myself? He looks around and looks at Goy and Oliver and Carl and Grundle. And then he looks back at the entrance and says, well, you're not alone. And that's, that's more than most of the people that make it this far can say. So you must have done something right. A massive hand like rests on Zaldwin's shoulder. And even though it is probably the most gentle touch, it feels like billions of pounds did all right this time. Zaldwin leans in and rests their head on Oliver's shoulder. Franklin finishes his drink and says, well, uh, I'm sure we'll meet again in some form, in some way. Uh, but you, you all did good. You made it this far. That's something. We'll see you around, okay? And he holds his uh, glass up for one last toast. Oliver will raise glass as well. Zaldon raises his glass. Mixing goys, raise theirs. Yeah, Carl and Grundle will raise their glasses. And when you look down from your drink, Franklin is gone. As you were to continue towards the entrance to the ruin, uh, on your other side, a table apparates, and on it is a deck of cards. These would look familiar to you, Zaldwin. And there is a woman sitting at the table. Uh, it's very hard to focus on her. Like, you can't quite make out her face. It's like a memory at the tip of your tongue. On the table is a symbol. There are three rings converging on one point, hundreds of points all around it, forming a large circle. 
and she picks up the cards, scoops them up, and starts to shuffle them in her hands. Probably don't remember me, do you? Uh, I'm, I'm trying. It's Lyra. Uh, we spoke in the Dreamer's Tower. You all asked me to spare Dasaki. Oh, yeah. Nope, not ring a bell. She chuckles and um, starts to lay cards down on the table. Um, five of them. Well, I'm what you missed. I'm everything you overlooked. It's okay. It's a lot. You have a lot on your shoulders. But that's me. Do you want to know what's next? Yeah, kind of. Um, and she flips over the cards on the table and she says, here we go. We've got creation, the turtle. She flips over the next card, the crow, death, flips over the next card, the fish, life, the next card, the butterfly, change, and the serpent, destruction. And she shuffles the cards a little bit and then she lays a card on top of destruction. Shaban takes a step forward and she flips it over. She says, this is the mother, the first, the creator, the tender of the garden, and invariably life creates life, its own life, free. The mother creates a splinter of the new cycle and the birth of the new avatars. Her destiny is set, a broken heart, the war of her children. And Shaban kind of gingerly picks up the mother card and looks at it. And she looks up at you. Who else wants to know what's next? I want to know what's next. She pulls a card from the deck and she looks at it and then looks at you. And she says, are you sure? I've come this far. And she places the card down. The guide. The guide represents knowledge, secrets, and insight. Sometimes it is a lighthouse. Sometimes it is a map. The guide unites the forces and shows them the way. Bears their curse of knowledge as long as they can. The guide represents knowledge, secrets, insights. But the guide can never complete the journey. It can only show the way. And she holds the card out to you. I take it. And she wraps her fingers on the tables a little bit. All right, hit me. She touches your card, which is the turtle from creation. And she looks down at her deck, pulls her card, looks at it. Oh, interesting. And she places the card down on top of yours. The superstar. Well, I could have told you that. Fame, riches, glory, unity. The superstar is the mortal totem, the speaker of the dream, the collective, the uniter. And she hands you the card. Thanks. <laughs> Hear that, guys? I'm a fucking superstar. Yeah, yeah, boy genius. All right. Now I gotta know, why are we a fish? Show us what's next. You've always been kind of fishy to me, Nivitz. She laughs. Indeed, life, the fish. She places a card down and flips it over. The dream, the next dimension bleeding through. This is so interesting. Glimpses of what could be, intuition. The dream is enlightenment, the future, possibilities. The dream is moving on. She hands it to you. It's interesting to get now what you overlooked for so long. Hmm. Interesting. She looks at you, Oliver, and kind of wraps her fingers on the table. Do you want to know? You don't want to know, do you? It's okay. Like I said, it's a lot. It's a lot to bear. It's a lot on your shoulders. But just know, I'm those few moments before you fall asleep. That instant when you remember what you forgot right before you forget it again. That nagging feeling that you're overlooking something. What did you miss? 
What did you forget? All right, all right. Show me what's next. She flips the card over, and on it is a skull. She says, violence, rebellion, freedom, strength, and cunning. Death always becomes violence, and violence always becomes death. Invariably, brother kills brother. Violence raises forests and smashes worlds. Violence is what causes souls to roam and accumulate. The hawk must hunt the mouse. She offers the card to you. He takes it. And she stretches back a little bit, looks off somewhere in the distance, and looks back at you. No matter what happens, there's always the dream. Remember that. And if none of you say anything, then she fades lightly into the gentle breeze that is flowing across the grass, leaving nothing but the lost ruin a little ways away from you. Well, that was kind of creepy. She always has that effect on people. Yeah, last time we didn't see eye to eye exactly either, but... (laughs) (laughs) Shall we? (sighs) Yeah, let's get it over with. Zelda nods. Shaban steps forward and tries to take your hand in her right hand, Zaldwin, and tries to take uh, your hand in her left hand, Carl. I will let her hold my hand. And she steps forward. I reach out and take Oliver's hand in mine. Yeah, I'll grab Nivets. Come on, guys. Gwei will grab onto Oliver's other hand and Nivets will grab onto Carl's. I mean, Grendel's. Hey, let's go. Uh, I don't like holding hands. I was just gonna, you know, do my own thing. I think at this point, I should point out that Nivitz is probably off the ground if he's holding onto their hands. (laughs) (laughs) This is the best picture ever. Swing me, swing me. Here we go. So as you descend the steps of the ruin, any of you who kind of throw a glance back over your shoulder, uh, just for a brief moment before all of the green grass fades away, you see Maxwell, Vantagraph, Frankie, and Thorum apparate on the grass back where you apparated on the grass just as you descend into this area. You head down the stairs. It is silent, dead silent as all the other ruins have been. At the bottom of the stairs is a room that opens up into a massive stone space the size of like a coliseum. At the center of this space is time. Behind him is a simple, oversized wooden door, easily like 20 feet tall. There are no walls beside it, and there is empty space behind it. It's just a door in the middle of nowhere. Uh, Zoros is standing at the foot of the stairs, leaned up against the wall, and he looks up at you all, and he says, Uh, who are you guys? Um, you. He rolls his eyes and looks back at the... Uh, time and Neuronethmir, who's approaching time, and then looks back at you. He's like, this is all really confusing. Uh, I believe you. I totally believe you, but it's hard to keep straight. Yeah, it's hard to remember. Zoros and the six, seven of you watch as Neuronethmir approaches time. Time is not a flame. He's just a simple human man. Uh, he has not a single possibly describable feature. He's like the literal average of anyone you've ever seen. And he breathes heavily and looks at Neuronethemir and his uh, Goliath companion. Neuronethemir shakily says, 
We've done it. We're here. We traveled the path. I... You've given up so much. Time responds coldly and emotionless. Neuronethamir falls to his knees and nods. I, I don't know why I'm here, Neuronethamir says. The giant at his side stays silent. Then why did you come? Time responds. Neuronethamir shakes his head and shrugs. Seems to be not his normal proud self and says, I, I want to save everyone. Everyone? Time interrupts him bursts into flames, becoming the Burning Man. Everyone, you come empty-handed, weak, powerless. Within you lies the power to create worlds, and you come to me for help. He starts to float up in the air a little bit. 35. Do you want to know how it ends? Yes, I I, I need to know. Neuronethamir blubbers. It doesn't, time responds. It doesn't end until you end it. This is your punishment, your curse. You are done. You have failed. Everything you have worked for, everything you have sacrificed is meaningless. Everyone you loved, you will do it again. You will fail again and again. You did this, he says with such force. Neuronethmir falls backwards and his companion catches him, draws him to his feet. You did this to me and I will do it to you again and again until you give her back to me. Give who back? Neuronethamir cries. It is your burden to learn the answer to that. Your burden that you will bear again and again and again. Neuronethamir stutters for a moment, but he cannot overcome the weight of time's empathic waves of emotion. The only question that matters. Here, at the beginning, in this place, you will not be reborn. What happens here is forever. It is always happening. He holds out his hand. It begins to vibrate and glow. Take my hand and be destroyed. End your curse. End it all. Or, and he motions to the door behind him, find your burden again. Forget all of this. Be reborn. Start over. Try again. Neuronethamir is silent as memories of his past lives flood into his brain. He is aware of everything suddenly. And after a moment, he starts to reach out to Time's hand. But his companion puts his own hand on his shoulder and stops him. They exchange a look, and Neuronethamir begins to walk towards the door, broken, his head down, his shoulders slumped. When that door shuts, the boulder rolls to the bottom of the hill and you start again. Neuronethamir falters in front of the door, slowing. He looks back, and just as he begins to speak, he finds he has no words. He stops at the entrance to the door for a moment. Then suddenly, his companion shoves him through the door and then braces himself, his massive armored arms outstretching, grasping this larger-than-life door. A spark of energy from the blessing activates, and he becomes unmovable. You feel all around you an unstoppable force of the universe halt suddenly as it crashes into this immovable object, and the giant stands motionless, holding the door open. As time observes this, the flames fade, and almost a faint smile is visible. A little closer this time, he says, and he turns to face you, but it seems he can only see Zoros. Well, uh, I guess I'm up, Zoros says. Good luck. I'll, uh, see you guys around? Uh, yeah, I think you will. Yeah, don't underestimate us next time. He cocks his head. Or do. <laughs> or do. <laughs> <laughs> 
Nivitz tucks away his research book. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. See ya. And he walks in. Time turns to him and says, you've given up so much. Yeah, yeah. I heard. And continues to walk past him towards the door. And he uh, ignores time completely, patting Neuronethemir's companion on the back and says, good luck, buddy. And time calls after him. If it's open now, it's always open. Zeros stops and looks over his shoulder. Uh, how does that work? It doesn't, Time responds, and he lifts his hand and he snaps his finger. The walls of the ruin fall away, and you're standing suspended in space, spinning galaxies and exploding nebula all around you. Your mind's eye opens, and you're able to see squeezing through the door around Neuronethemir's companion an inky blackness only visible from where it displaces the stars behind it, a writhing mass of darkness and tentacles unobservably large. Somehow this vision is not only affecting you now, but is becoming a part of your memories, as if it's always been there. As it finishes squeezing out of the door and swims through space towards a nearby star, it wraps its tentacles around it. And then a massive maw appears, and a million teeth sink into it and begin suckling. Somehow the thing begins to grow even larger, and you feel a million souls tugged towards this act, the darkness invading their minds, and as it grows, the tentacles wrap around the sun until you cannot see any light at all. You're out of time, he says. Then I will be brief. See you soon. Somehow, Zoros doesn't seem quite surprised. He looks over his shoulder one last time at you all and winks, and then goes through the door under the massive arms of Neuronethemir's companions. Time turns to you, able to see you now, and his eyes soften, his jaw slacks, and Shaban runs to him. As they reach each other, you see them both begin weeping and sobbing. It's been so long, Shaban says, and Time opens his mouth to say something but is unable, and they simply embrace. Their shoulders sag, their bodies loosen, the intense empathy radiates from time and strikes you. The feeling is such a specific type of grief. It's that hopelessness and vulnerability you feel when you see a parent cry for the first time. It's the overwhelming weight in your chest and shoulders of being truly trapped and unhappy and the raw, sharp feeling of true loss all being processed at the same time. Time and destruction embrace and weep for what seems like ages a minute for every year they were apart. It feels like millennia, it feels like eons, and you cannot help but watch silently. And when they gain composure, they look to you, and time says, it is done. Grant also looks to you. <laughs> yeah, no. my, my 10 minutes of exposition is done. <laughs> <laughs> Processing it, you know? It was good. It's not quite done, not quite. Oliver, is going to walk forward towards time. We should have never split. I see that now. What we do, what we've done, should have been together, regardless of the outcome. I don't know when we lost that. His voice softens. He sounds like just a boy again. You recognize the voice from when you spoke to him in the last locket. Shaban is cradled in his arm, looking up at him, and he says, I know. We were always supposed to do it together, but this is goodbye. We're leaving, and you can keep your world. I've seen enough. You're leaving? We can't do this 
with without you, we we have to stick together. Zaldwin runs up behind Oliver. How could I ever trust you again? As long as you exist, she is under threat. She's looking. He's looking at you, Zaldwin. You can take her from me, and even if you don't next time, even if you don't a thousand times after that, I've seen what time does. As long as you have the power to take her away from me, she isn't safe. Could it be possible that we break down these powers, disseminate them across all of us, become equals? Is is that even a possibility? He looks at you for a moment and then shrugs. I think only you would have the power to do that, but there would be no balance. Six people with the power to change anything is exactly the world we left behind. Zeldwin looks down in shame again and looks back up at Tyler. I can't undo what I've done. I can't change the past. We know who can, but I brought her back. I can't undo that. It's not within my ability. He steps away from Shaban and looks at you just dead in the eye, canceling everyone else out and says, as long as you exist, Adam, she is under threat. You have your world. You can shut the door. You can let it play out. I have no calling to preserve life anymore. We're leaving. And looks to each of you. I totally understand why you want to leave. If I was in your shoes, I'd probably do the same. I would just implore you to reconsider. You know, I know that time has shown you that people change. You know, we used to be very close and then we betrayed you and, you know, but now we've brought her back. So, you know, I completely understand why you don't trust the nature of the way we are versus your current state from being a eonsless, timeless being. But we're not asking for you to, to do much. We just want you to not leave. He looks over your shoulder at change and looks back at you. There is only one power that exists that is <sighs> imbalances us. We brought Adam to keep us in check. And as long as that power exists, none of us are safe. He's right. Zeldwin's eyes snap over to Oliver with big welling tears. There's tears in Oliver's eyes too. Wait, guys, what are you saying? He's right, Zell. I understand. I mean, it sounds to me... You're making... You're asking us to make an impossible choice. No, it's not impossible. Choice has already been made. I just have to say goodbye. Wait, what? He's right, you know. He's right. Tears are just running down Oliver's face now. I love you all. Whoa, whoa, there's gotta be some sort of way to just destroy this power. Right? That's selfish. You guys know it. So far as I see it, there's three options. Option one, I leave and wish that I can never come back. Two, Siobhan devours me and I'm unmade. Three, I take time's hand and I'm destroyed forever. Either way, I need to go. What about option four, where we just let them leave if that's what they want? The universe can't... The universe without time? Boom, work it out! There has to be a way to just separate Zaldwin from this power. There has to be. 
Zeldwin turns to time. You said there's always a way. There's always a way to get out. There's always a way. He nod. There's always a way. Is this the only way? He holds out his other hand, not a... So his left hand began to burn brightly and vibrate as you talk about this. He holds out his other hand and he says, you could wish your power away. If I give you the ability to make another wish, will it be a trick, a half-truth, or will you do it? I'll do it. I'll do it. He looks at Shimon, who is still just in pieces, and he holds the power of time in his right hand. Um, the ability to basically mechanically like reset the cooldown on your wish. And he says, I give you this. And you wish that the power to change things is gone. And we deal with the consequences of that together. Is that what we're agreeing on? Carl looks at the crew. I mean, Zaldwin, are you done being a god? I'm going to live how I want to live. And I hope to die how I want to die. My decision is made. Oliver, like, just sweeps up Zaldwin and like bone breakingly squeezes him as like he embraces him <sighs> together sorry together it's the only way we do this and with that time holds out both of his hands his left hand glowing with the bright red hot light vibrating offering you an end and his right hand Arcane energy swirls around as he offers you time. A year, exactly. And he says, Then make the only decision that matters. Zaldwin hesitates for a moment over the hand of destruction, of absolute obliteration, just putting an end to everything. Thinking about the pain that Zaldwin, that change, that atom, that chaos has caused and it's pangs of the good times of everything that this group of people has meant to them meant to him how we're doing this together and we'll deal with the consequences and Zaldwin grasps the hand of time and takes himself back one year and as the feeling of that wish boils up inside of Zaldwin. Zaldwin makes the wish and wishes that the power to change was gone. The wish power was gone. Not just from him, but that power will not exist in this world from this point forward. And this whole place just rocks around you as this in immensely powerful power leaves your body and disperses throughout the universe. Time grasps your hand with his own at the elbow and looks you in the eyes and says, that's the difference between you and Adam. That's the difference between you and Zoras. They make hard sacrifices for others, but they never make the hard sacrifices themselves. And he embraces you. And after a moment, Shaban walks up and puts her arms around both of you too. Yeah. Carl run up and <laughs> start crying. <laughs> um, yeah. After a moment, he says, so what's next? Do we stay here? We're on to the next world. Well, giving up was our mistake in the first place, right? <laughs> Gotta see it through. 
Yeah, we gotta see it through. Zaldwin will explain his plan to disseminate the darkness between all of them to try to break it down into parts, manageable parts. Um, he, he will explain that to time. He looks at you and says, and if it overtakes all of us? At least we'll be together. He looks at Shaman, looks at the door. I, I don't know. I don't know. If we do that, we can't undo it. This will be, this will be our last attempt. <sighs> but maybe it's better that way. Yeah, maybe it is better that way. Maybe that was always the problem, was that there was always a way out. Yeah, we work best under pressure anyways. You swear time kind of, sort of, maybe smiles at that. So you're sure we stay in this world and we try to bear destruction's burden together? Is that is that the idea? It's either that or let this world die again, again, and again. Either way, this universe is fucked (laughs) it's certainly a bold move it's a strategy we've never tried before obviously and man I can't help but feel like I learned a valuable lesson from you today Zaldwin that maybe maybe some personal sacrifice is what's necessary maybe us sharing this burden is simply the way to do it Allen has never uh, steered me wrong yet so Allen is what I am now it is. Go on. Well, we either exceed or I couldn't think of better friends to go crazy with. I'm all in. Shaban takes Time's hand and then takes your hand, Zaldwin, and kind of steps out so that you're stepping in a circle. And she closes her eyes and then begins to focus and then stops and opens them and looks at each of you and says, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Sorry that you have to do this for me. It's not your fault. You saved us. We should have did this in the first place. He's right. She focuses, and then red energy begins to emanate from her eyes, and she begins to disseminate the power of the Ever and All host to each of you. The consumer of suns, the destroyer of the fundamental plane, the energy she sapped from this thing. You feel an intense darkness in your soul in your heart, in the pit of your stomach. You wonder how Shaban ever managed to smile as this begins to overtake you. Each of your eyes begin to glow red for a moment, and then it dies down as you push it deep. And she opens her eyes. You can see an immense weight lifted from her shoulders. And she just begins to sob again, as if she can't remember the last time she didn't feel this crushing weight inside of her. How's everybody feeling? No offense, Oliver, but I feel like death. Yeah, not a pleasant feeling, but I'm not totally insane. Yet, Shaban kind of weakly jokes. Just uh, try not to get too mad or angry or sad, you know? Carl looks over at Grundle. (laughs) Oliver looks around nervously at everybody. (laughs) Nivitz is just staring hard at Oliver. (laughs) Uh, boy, we might need to make some drugs later <laughs> to, uh, yeah, some anxiety medicine. We're I'm all going to be some medicated Zan- now. I'm, Oliver's going to need some Zanny bars. <laughs> uh, some antidepressants. <sighs> God, if death's going to become a real problem. 
Yeah. God of death and destruction. Recipes. Creation and destruction has a nice ring to it. I guess it's not the powers of destruction that she disseminated. It's the powers of the ever and all host. Yeah. Which is worse. Like Rovagug. Like the consumer of all things. Yeah. Well, I certainly like to consume. Yeah, I mean, uh, a little bit. Fan of eating myself. I'll just try and focus that energy in that direction. I'll just eat stuff about it. Right <laughs> on. Good idea. So what do we do now? We have to close the door. Shaban looks up at Time, and Time looks down at her and says, Don't worry, we'll find each other again. And looks up at you. We'll all find each other again. Yep. Yeah. Well, of course. Uh, when the door shuts, we start over. Yep. So we're going to restart the universe? No, just us this time. Unless you want to. I'm still open to the new universe idea. Oof. They matter. Time looks to the um, Neuronethamir's companion and says, We could leave it open. Still has another, what, 400 years on it? Only problem is the sun thing, but there's always a way. Goddamn. I don't know if I'm ready to be reset yet, guys. I I kind of like my wife. Fuck. We gotta take care of the sun. Oh, boy. Well. Shaban's like, I'm... I'm not going to say no to more time with time if we want to leave the door open, but fighting that thing, that's always what does it. That's what makes me lose myself. We can fight it. We can win. We win against it all the time, but it's what sets me off. I don't, I don't know. It's a risk. It's a huge risk. Hmm. Man, I I genuinely don't know what to do. I I don't want to die. I think Zaldwin is going to ask how time was able to exile that chunk of the Ever and All host. How how is he able to imprison it? He smiles. That's that's one that we beat. That's one that we killed. I take the skull with me from world to world as a place when we take the life out of the old universe. That's a nice place to put the things that don't need to be roaming free. Like Shaban said, we can win. We can beat it. It's just a risk. Now that we all have some of it, we could win and not get set off, or win and all of us are set off. Shaban is kind of like, I, I, why are we are we completely closed off to take 37? I mean, sure, it'll be the end of, I don't know. That's even harder for me to do than to die. I love this place. Then we have to keep the door open. Yeah, Oliver, he has pain in his eyes. It's like, I feel them all. You know, I feel all of them. Shaban, the only person who can empathize with that, nods and puts her hand on your massive arm. She's like, I know. I'd, I'd rather fight than give up on another world. Well, it's probably better to fight it now before the power, it, its power kind of grows on us. Rather than the next time. Time says it is a big risk for another 400 years. I guess that's a lot of time to you all. It's not much to me. Am I the only one who doesn't want to fucking die here? <laughs> Oliver just looks over and goes, It's not so bad. We all die. Yeah, but I'm 16. <laughs> I'm just getting rolling, baby. I've got my whole life ahead of me. <gasps> it's not real death, man. You come back 
We all come back. Yeah, but what if I come back as a fucking lime or something? A lime? What's not reincarnation, bro? We're gods. <laughs> I don't want to come back. I want to be me. Shaban nods. She's like, I agree. I vote for a new world. And time looks at them all and says, right, we should do whatever we do. We should do it together. <sighs> but I vote. I vote we go back and shut the door and find each other again. I don't want to risk fighting that thing. Man. Well, I guess if our choices are destroy the universe, start over, be reborn, and try again, or fight the scariest monster in the universe for a chance at life, I would probably try and fight the scariest monster in the universe, but I realize Shaban, that that's a Shaban fairly shakes selfish... Her head. We don't have to destroy this universe to start a new one. Oliver kind of cocks his head at that. Well, I mean, that's always what we've done, Shaban says, uh... And looks at time, and time says, We were going to leave and start our own little place away from all of this. I know we've always taken all of the life with us, but I would say, other than letting the Ever and All host in, which we can undo, we've set them up pretty well for another few millennia at least. They have designs for a sun, they have a lot. It will take them a while to find everything again if we leave. All of their lost technology would cease to work, but they'll find each other again. We don't... Uh, I don't know how to say this. We we can just take some of it. Start fresh. Life will go on. Even if that place dies, it will die of its own accord. We don't have to smash the entire pot. We could just take a little clay with us. It's not easy asking you to leave everyone behind, but you can remain yourself. We can set new rules. We can start again. We can start smaller. Maybe that's the answer. Maybe instead of trillions of souls, maybe we just plant a few this time. That's an interesting proposition. Yeah, like Oliver like starts to smile. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I, I, like, I, I like that. It gives them choice. Gives them a chance. Shaban looks around too and says, we don't all have to do the same thing. I know we want to stay together. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm, no one's gonna force anyone to die if they don't want to. No, no, let's, let's go, let's go together. Oh boy, maybe. <laughs> Shaban looks at Carl. I mean, it's a certainly a more palatable decision for me to do that. It's really hard to leave everything behind, but I'm sure Pork Sword will understand when you stop recording. Hey. We've done it before, Carl. We've done it all before. Well, what do you guys want to do? Well, honestly, you know, this uh, chance to create some new life, new species in a new universe is kind of very thrilling. I'm kind of in agreement with Nivitz at the moment. That does seem very exciting. If there's anything that I know about this power that we have, it's that if we lose ourselves, Away from here is going to be the safest place for everyone else. Man, you raise a really good point there, Zeldwin. It may be the sacrifice we need to make. I'm with Oliver. Not to rain on your parade, parade Zeldwin, but we create a new universe and go insane there. Wouldn't it be still the same problem? Sorry for being pessimistic, but... Yeah, but this dimension would be safe. Fair enough. As safe as it can be. For a couple millennia. Hopefully by then they figure out a way to... 
fight for themselves, I suppose, but I guess this is uh, acceptable for me. I did not see this coming. I really thought that I was con- trying to convince you guys to stay, and now you've convinced me to leave. I do be that way sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if, that, if that's, that's what everyone wants to do, it sounds as good a plan as any. It safeguards this dimension from our potential and sanity, and we can just start again. Zalman hmm. takes Oliver and Carl's hands. Shaban kind of looks around and is like, why don't we create it? Carl, you go through the door and we can just like come pick you up in a couple hundred years? Is that crazy? <laughs> Time shrugs. <laughs> yeah, I like look over Carl and come uh, And Time says it would be a struggle to create a universe with only the bones. But what's a couple hundred years, I guess? Shaban shrugs. Just give him like five, he'll get bored. Shaban shrugs and says, we always meet back here, right? You all remember now? Yeah. Yeah. Besides, when Carl leaves here and realizes he doesn't have any friends other than us, he'll want to come back. (laughs) (laughs) The man hasn't left. The the man hasn't left the hawk in the entire year that we've been on this adventure, so. (laughs) It's pretty good. Shaban's like, we've never tried this before. I have no idea what would happen. Literally none. I'm just brainstorming here. What if Grundle came with us and Carl went back? Acceptable. <laughs> She's just like, I, I'm just brainstorming. Carl seems, I don't, I don't feel like we should make anyone do this if they don't want to do it. <laughs> I just want to see God, Grundle, God of creation and what creation looks like in that sphere. Too many talking cars. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I feel like maybe I... I don't know. I feel like I'm holding attachments to this place, but maybe it's just that... Maybe it's just you guys. Maybe Oliver's right. Like, once you guys leave, what's what's here for me? Nah, maybe it's just time to go. I mean, if we pick some life from this place, we could always pick a couple people we liked if they're still alive when the universe is done creating. I would suggest, Oliver, that you take life that is currently not manifested in a physical form. Souls that have died waiting to be reincarnated take some of that would be my suggestion. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. (sighs) So what happens to those guys? And I point back at like Maxwell and crew that are like waiting for their turn. They're not there anymore. Oh, the path just ceases to exist. They all look back at where you're pointing and Time's just like, who, who, who do you see? Well, when we came in here, there were people following us down the path, just like we followed Zoros and Nirenethemir. Are, are those, are those people going to die if we leave? They are us. Time kind of waggles his head back and forth a little bit. Uh, I don't know the answer to that. I know that you've completed the path. The path is closed. I've forgiven you. We undid what was done. So... There cannot be anyone on the path anymore. Hmm. Fascinating. Did they become... Did they have your powers? No. Not that we know of. They have the blessings, but that's it. I mean, they were pretty early on on the path. Also, I don't even think Maxwell's from this universe. I mean, there's a good chance that there's going to be a Maxwell born on our universe. Well, I think that... Yeah. 
Yeah, maybe, I don't know. Time I know kind said of that they shrugs. All get pulled from different realities. I do not I do not dabble in that. As far as souls being reborn, your friend makes those rules. Our friend? He points to Oliver. And they're gonna live how they're gonna live, man. Everybody dies. It's the way of things. Us leaving's not gonna change that. Alright. Well, I'm firmly on the side of whatever we do, we should all do it together. And I do believe that this is a acceptable compromise for me. I get to retain my individuality. I get to continue my development of my powers and creativity. Puberty. I get to keep living. <laughs> um, and maybe one day I'll die how I want to die instead of being forced to be reborn. Okay. Fair. So there we go. I guess that's that. I feel like I'm letting go of the last of my attachments to this universe and it's gone. He like closes his eyes and snaps like, alright, I'm good. Let's go. <laughs> Just like, Whoa, that was fast. <laughs> well, my parents haven't ever fucking called me since I was in like grad school at age 11 and you know, all my friends are leaving to a different dimension. So what the fuck am I supposed to do? You know, it's crazy. Technically, we created your parents. Yeah. Well, let's not go down that weird route. <laughs> Time gestures to the Neuronethmere's companion, the massive Goliath of a man holding the door open. If you shut the door, it gives them much more of a chance. Yeah. All right. Let's go wake up the big guy. Okay. I'll step up to him and deactivate my blessing. Or deactivate his blessing via my blessing. Oh. Yeah. The energy swirls uh, out of you, wraps around him, and he is standing there instead, still holding the door, stopping it from shutting, and he looks over at you. Uh, It seems he cannot speak. He looks around and sees no one that he recognizes, and he continues to struggle with the door. Hey, bud. You did good. Real good. But it's time to let go. It's over. We finished. We've thought of a solution that maintains the integrity of your universe. And you can close the door and it'll give you a hell of a lot of a better shot at survival. And we'll be on our way to leave you to your devices. Carl? Yes? Make what will probably be the last dice roll of absurdism in a millennium abroad. Oh, man. To try and persuade this big guy to let go of the door. Persuasion? Mm-hmm. Carl's not the best at those. Uh, you can have advantage since Oliver is helping you. Sure, I appreciate that, Oliver. Uh, okay, I was just looking at all my stuff. I don't think I can use my cybernetic dice on this. I don't have enhanced focus. Yeah, That's not an ability checks. I'll allow it. How is that not an ability check? Oh, maybe it is an ability check. Yeah. I always... Terminology sometimes gets me confused. I think in Pathfinder, ability checks specifically refer to, like, strength checks or whatever. But I think you're right. In 5th edition, an ability check is... uh, Skill. Skill check, ability check. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Same, same. Where is it? Persuasion. There it is. Okay. Great. (laughs) (laughs) So, I didn't roll great. Isn't that nice? But I do have, um... Lucky? (laughs) Okay. All right. Uh, 
I'll try and roll again. Fuck! It got worse. <laughs> it got worse. I do have Carl's not genius. committed to the plan. That's what's happening is Carl is not fully committed to the plan. He's not committal. <laughs> I have Flash of Genius, so that bumps it up by five. So I have an eight. And then I have a D12. <laughs> I got a fucking 12! Oh. So that's a 20? That's you a just dirty, from the a dirtiest to 20. A dirty 20. That's the dirtiest and 20 I've ever to, seen. I got another 12! 32! Oh. What's happening? <laughs> 41. How did that just become a 41? Oh Carl's cybernetic oh dice kicked in halfway through and started playing patriotic music. music. Wow. So you're bombing this. Like you're stuttering over it. Uh and he looks oh, at no. you confused. Um and then you realize that he doesn't speak common. Oh. And you switch quickly with the help of your cybernetics into Elvish, assuming that he would speak the same language as Neuronethamir. And his eyes kind of soften a little bit. And I do speak Elvish too, yeah. So Carl speaks common Elvish and Orc. And with a 41, he begins to loosen his grip. The door begins to shut. And you can see him debating which side of the door to go on. Well, hey, I gotta tell you, almost everyone you know is gone. <laughs> and just being blunt. It's been a long time. I point at Oliver's wrist and I say. Tilladin's still kind of alive. He looks at that and falters, and the door shuts with him outside of it with you all. God, I hope that was what you meant to do. And he approaches and gently, as gently as someone of this, uh, he's larger than you, Oliver, even with your heavy arms. He's just a Goliath of a man. Yeah. With huge hands. And he reaches down as gently as one can. And you can tell he's asking for Tilladin's totem. Yeah. Um, Oliver, like, takes it off. Till took real good care of me. And he puts it in his hand. And as heartbreaking as it is to see someone that size kind of lose it a little bit, uh, a tear wells up in his eye and he cradles this thing as if it's just the most important thing he's ever touched before and then just kind of steps back and waits to see what you all do next. Well, Carl rubs his hands together. Let's get creating. I've never used this power before. I've kind of had it up my sleeve as an ace forever, but I think, you know, hey, I will use my ability to create a new plane of existence. And time puts his hand on your shoulder, Carl, as you do this, and you realize that you are able to essentially... Uh, where it would normally take you quite a bit of time to do this. It seems like it's all happening in an instant. This place is kind of springing to life. And then time holds out his other hand to you, Nivets. Nivets puts his hand into times and starts focusing on making new people. Spreading seeds Gross. on the planets that... <laughs> spreading seeds across the plane, planets that Cody's creating. And they look to you, Oliver... Um, Oliver closes his eyes and starts to focus and pulls the unrealized life. Um, some of that 
from the existing plane um, to himself to bring to the new universe. And the door lights up a purple energy coming through the cracks at the bottom. It seems to wash over it all at once and then goes dark again. And the door opens. Time takes Shaban's hand and walks through to the next world. After a moment, the giant follows, disappearing into the darkness of the doorway. Well, let's let's get rolling. All right. Yeah. Take our first steps towards a new beginning. Brand new adventure. Let's go. All right. Let's go. It seems to me, dear listener, that some of you forgot that this is a story about the end of the world. It certainly feels like a beginning, but it is also the last chapter. And I never promised you a happy ending. What I said is what happened, happened, and that it mattered. This is the grand finale of a thousand year journey. One more millennium to find meaning in the absurdity. And here we are at the peak and at the foot of the mountain at the same time. Looking over the summit we worked so hard to climb and seeing infinite mountains ahead. I leave the crew's form fading into the darkness of the doorway, finding their burden again as so many do, but leaving us with a lesson that negates gods and raises rocks. That a universe with no meaning, a universe with no gods is not futile. Each step of the journey, each sacrifice, every lover, parent, brother, every friendship, everything in itself forms an entire world. The struggle itself towards the height is enough to fill one's heart. You want to know how it ends, but it doesn't. And maybe it's better that way. And maybe after everything, we too can conclude that all is well.